do, 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 do. Here we go. My name's Todd. This is Kathy. Welcome back to Zen Parenting Radio. Are your headphones They're too? They're so loud in my in okay. my ears. Okay. Well, how about we turn them down then? Thank you. Here Does we that go. matter? I'm a little senso. I know you are. You All just right. told me a story about an airplane. Um, that maybe you'll share that, but that has nothing to do with what we're talking about today. Okay. So why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. And uh, always remember our motto, which is the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. This is podcast number 406. And today we are going to talk about the five somethings. The five invitations. The five invitations. And it's going to help us with parenting and being our best self. And before we talk about the five invitations, I'm going to tell you guys really quick what we have coming up. We have a civility and compassion uh, virtual class for the holidays. It's next Monday. And I'm, so, I'm going to uh, talk about that later in the show as far as what that means. Okay, so that's November 20th. That's a week from today. If you are on Team Zen, it is free. If you are not on Team Zen, it is $20. You just go to our uh, page to register. We also have a Zen talk coming up on November 27th. Those That's just part of Team Zen. But if you join, that's our next talk. And then, of course, our conference, March 2nd and 3rd, um, our early bird uh, special is available until the 1st of December. So you have, an, I don't know, week and a half, two weeks. And uh, so go to ZenParentingRadio.com and click on live events to register for any of those things. Thank you very much. Is that it? That's it. Oh, good. That was quick. Yeah. Um, so there's a guy out there. His name is Frank Ostasecki. I don't know if that's a correct pronunciation, so I apologize to Frank. And uh, he was the cover dude in the Spirituality and Health magazine, which is one of our favorites. From September-October issue. And you were so moved by this article, you downloaded the whole book, uh, which is called, what's the name of his book? The Five Invitations. Oh, it is. Mm -hmm. And you started reading it, and then we exported the notes from your Kindle, and there's a lot of notes. There are a lot of notes. So, yeah, so I, so I was reading this article... I don't know, last week or something. And I'll just tell you guys, first of all, that Todd got me a Kindle for my birthday. Yeah, birthday present. And it was such a, a lovely gift because he got a Kindle a while ago and he loves it. And he was like, I think you're really going to like this because I read a lot. But I'm such a book person. Mm. Like, you know, I'll get a, I love to write in books. And so I was like, I don't know if I'll use it or not, but I'm going to give this a, a shot. So this is, a, I still love my books and I order my books like for a dollar off Amazon and I still read those and stuff. But I was reading this article on spirituality and health and I was like, oh, he has a book. And all I had to do was go to my Kindle and it downloaded and there it was. I'm sorry, that's a miracle. And you're reading in like 30 seconds. And then I'm reading that book that quickly. And Versus before we had to wait two whole days for Amazon Prime. Oh my gosh, how did we ever wait two days? <laughs> before we used to have to get in the car and go, and which I still love to do. I, I gotta be honest. You I, love Barnes & Noble. I love Barnes & Noble and I like supporting brick and mortar um, bookstores because I think they're so important. But I do all of the above. Uh, but anyway, so this article um, and this book has been a really wonderful uh, discussion for Todd and I over the past week. Um, so we're going to get into all five invitations today. We're going to do our best. It's very, um, it's so rich. Is that the right word? Like sure. there's so much goodness in each of them that we'll do our best. Yeah. Um, so, but let's uh, take the anticipation out of the listener's sure. head. Will you at least say what all five are and then we'll break sure. them down? The title of the, um, just to give you the full title of the book first, it's The Five Invitations, Discovering What Death Can Teach Us. Now, let me be clear. This is about death and it also has 
nothing, nothing to, do, to with, do with death. It's all about living, right. which is his whole point of the book is if you understand death, then you live very fully. Um, so the five different invitations are don't wait, welcome everything, push away nothing, bring your whole self to the experience, find a place of rest in the middle of things, which has become like my favorite, and cultivate the don't know mind. And who is this guy? This guy is a, uh, he's the co-founder of the Zen Hospice Project, which for those of you who know what hospice is, he uh, works with people or supports people who are dying. Um, Todd and I have had several personal experiences with hospice and um, it's really a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and some people haven't had great experiences with beautiful. it. It can be be- the intention of it is beautiful yeah. um, because it's helping people transition and also helping the caregivers who are loving that person, helping them allow them to transition. Right. He also is the founder of the Meta Institute. Um, and that's the thing is like his teaching obviously is really beautiful because he's speaking from this experience of helping people transition in his own uh, you know, relationship to it, but it, it, what it's taught him is how to live. And we've done shows like this before. Like, remember the nurse right. who you know wrote There's that about, viral nurse yes. uh, blog where she talks about like, whatever the top five regrets that dying people say. Correct. And we and we don't dive into that um, to make you guys focus just on death. It's to recognize how you want to live because the thing is, we have this beautiful knowledge and i call it beautiful because i i feel like my relationship with it is is pretty good that we have limited time mm-hmm. and because of that that reminds us to be here yep. so it's a different kind of a bigger vision of mindfulness it's it's not just about be present cuz it's good for you right now it's about you have limited time so who are you going to be how are you going to be what are you going to use your time because if we lived forever yeah. There would be no, there's it's al- no buffer. It's almost like death is the motivation to yes, live. Yes, that's it. So uh, there's a few clips that I'm hoping to work into this podcast. One is from Star Wars. One is from Dead, two of them are from Dead Poet Society. And one of them might be from Shawshank. We'll see. Might be. Might be. All right. So what's the first one, my sweetheart? So let me just say before we begin that this is a quote from Frank. I'm just going to call him Frank because I sure. feel like he's like my friend. Yep. Because I I told Todd as I was reading, I read a lot of books and, and, and many of them are good. You know, I'm like, oh, that's good. Some of them reach this level to me where I end up highlighting them so much that I feel like this person's wisdom is so authentic and I'm using that word because they're not telling me a bunch of universal principles that they've read about. Mm-hmm. They're sharing their life and how they lived it. Um, sorry. Um, I wanted to um, just to give uh, the listeners his voice. Oh, sure, sure. So there's 30 seconds. He's having a conversation with a woman named Tara Brock. Um, yeah, she's you, a teacher. Yeah, She's a teacher. Mm-hmm. And this might just help uh, the, the listener kind of get a feel for Frank. his for Frank. So mm-hmm. I don't remember what he's talking about, but it should be self-explanatory. I'll say one more thing, and that is that I don't think it's any more important than anything else. I don't think caring for the dying is any more important than taking care of your children or working in your gardens or practicing the Dharma. It just is what, you know, called me. Now, 
it is very difficult to walk into a room where someone is dying and not pay attention. I mean, it galvanizes your attention into this present moment, yeah? But, you know, we can bring that kind of attention to anything we do. Yeah? It's just what called to me, and um, I'm glad it did. Yeah? Mm. I love his voice. <laughs> I do. So I think the question that she asked or what she said to him was, you know, what an amazing life you've chosen yes, to support right. people as they're, you know, as they're dying and transitioning. And he's saying, I don't think my, the life I've chosen is any more powerful than yours. And you guys may say, oh, yeah, he's saying that. No, this dude really believes. He walks the walk. He walks the walk. Like he really is like everybody has their thing. And I just happen to, this is what feeds my soul. Well, what he said is, you know, if you walk into a room where somebody is about to transition, you know from one plane to another, it galvanizes you and forces you into presence. And I think what his teachings are is anything can force you into presence. Correct. It's not just this situation. So anyways. He just feels blessed that he's had the opportunity to do this because I'll tell you something, what he has these five invitations in the book and I highly recommend it. Um, But he also shares his stories of the men and women that he's been with when they've been dying and how many lessons they they have taught him. Um, but one of his quotes in the book that I wrote down on a piece of paper right away and put it by my bed was, we can't be truly alive without maintaining an awareness of death. We live temporary lives, use them wisely. Mm. And I said to Todd yesterday twice, um, I read some news that there was some big march in Poland. It was a nationalist march and they were There's this group of people in Poland, and obviously this has happened in our country too. This just happened to be in a different country, you know, the big news yesterday. And they're marching because they want, you know, it's it's somewhat of a white supremacist kind of thing. Like we want our country back, you know, religious, you know, issues. And I kept thinking to myself, is that really how they want to use their time Mm -hmm. on this earth? Like if they had an awareness of how we were all the same and how we all are suffering and how we all have pain and we all have joy and that we're all interconnected, would they be marching against people? Would they be saying, forget those people, only focus on me? Would they be saying your skin color and your religion is different, I hate you? Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of my, it's something I understand uh, in my body. I'm not allowed to, my body doesn't allow me to not understand it. Um, And so when I see people who are practicing hate in any capacity, in such a grand way, like that march or the march in, you know, Charlottesville or what, I think to myself, is that really how you want to utilize this time you have on earth? So with that said, the first thing, the first invitation is don't wait. What does that mean? So, you know, that people, I think, make that very obvious or they think it's obvious that it means if you want to go skydiving, go skydiving. Right. Mm -hmm. Or if you want to, you know, travel to different countries, go travel to different countries. And and that's the obvious answer. He's he says, yes. You know, Frank's like, yes, you know, do the things you want to do. Like, what was the uh, podcast we were listening to yesterday? The TED Talk one? Uh, The yeah, TED. uh, It's called uh, TED Radio Hour. Yeah. And they put a bunch of podcasts together that have the same theme. Right. This one happened to be about death. And she, somebody put up a wall or wrote on a wall, what do you want to do before you die? Yeah, yeah. And I want to, yeah, what do you want to do before you die or something to that effect? And people wrote things like, I want to spend time with my granddaughter. Mm. Some people wrote things like, I want to sing in front of millions of people. Mm. Some people, so those are don't wait yeah. kind of things. But it's also about the simple things. Like it's, it's not just, it's, you know, there's, 
your child is standing in front of you and they're struggling, give them a hug. Yeah. Don't wait. Don't say once they follow through with everything I say th- that they should do, then they're deserving of my hug. Right. Um, your spouse is sitting there reading a book and you look at them and you're thankful for them. Go over and give them a kiss on the head mm-hmm. and say thank you for just being in my life. Um, you are seeing someone struggling. You know, it just happened to me recently at the post office and you stop and you hold the door and say, can I help you yeah. carry that in? Most of the time they say no. Yeah. But why not say, so don't wait to be that person. And that person basically is present. That means being aware of what's going on around you without judgment, which basically means, you know, your kid needs a hug. You might not want to hug them because they didn't do their thing or you're worried that you might spoil them or whatever. Bottom line is right in this moment, your kid needs a hug. That's right. And you know, like I did this to myself last night, like I was working, getting ready for the podcast, but I was in Arizona for the last few days and I, I knew I hadn't really done a whole lot of connecting with my children. And I'm just like, yeah, I know I just, but I need to get ready for this podcast. And it's a constant battle in my mind. Like what's most important? Do I go connect with them for 10 minutes before they go to sleep? Or do I do this work? And that's the thing. I did both. I did a little bit of this and then I went upstairs. So Right. And the, and the question is, is like, it's, it's okay that it did, you know, sometimes people are like, I wish I didn't have this battle in my mind. The battle in your mind is useful. Yeah. And if you get stuck in the battle in your mind and you take no action, it's a problem. But right. the battle in your mind is the question of both of these things are valuable. What's the right choice now? Right. You know, it is, and that's the thing about don't wait is I really feel like when we have a sense of clarity about who we are and what's most important, it's very easy to make those decisions. Now, we still may have the battle in the moment because our ego is like, no, 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 you must finish. You must get ahead. You must wash the dishes. But there, the reason that we do, the reason self-awareness is so vital and the reason that connection and relationships with others is the cornerstone of your life, or, or I feel should be, is because then it makes decision-making really clear. You know, that doesn't mean Todd shouldn't get ready for the podcast. It means that he is going to not make an excuse that I can't connect with people tonight. I have work. It's more important. It's let me finish this part and then I'm going to go be with the people I love most. And I do things like I'll set my timer and 15 minutes or I'm going to do this until nine o'clock. And the minute that that timer goes off, I'm going to stop even if I'm in the middle of something and go up there because Sometimes my willpower isn't enough. Correct. I'll be like, no, I, 10 more minutes, 10 more minutes, 10 more minutes. So Because we think we're getting somewhere. Yep. We're like, if I finish this work, I'm going to feel so much better about who I am. Right. I'm going to be so much further in life. I'm going to feel so much more committed. I'm gonna, and we all know that's not true mm-hmm. because what happens is if you complete it and then you'll say, what next? Right. Now, for those of you who are very black and white, a lot of times with the things that we say, like, well, so what you're saying is I shouldn't work and I should... No, that's not what we're saying at all. You have to have a sense of flow with life. You have to have a recognition of that, of course, work needs to be done. And of course, someone needs to wash the dishes. It's when those things take priority over people continuously, mm-hmm. where you think those are the things that are going to make you feel better and they're not. One thing that's in this article and the spirituality and health article Um, the interviewer says, don't wait can be interpreted as encouraging people to do all the wild and crazy things that they've always wanted to do, skydiving, drug experimentation, but have held back from doing for some reason or another. And he goes on to talk about, you know, as everything else, it's a balance. Right. And when I read that, 
Um, it made me think of one of my favorite movies of all, all time called Dead Poet Society. So I'm going to play a quick 30-second clip. And this is the scene, for those of you who haven't seen the movie, um, one of the boys uh, disrupted this class, this um, session that the whole school was doing. Everybody was getting in trouble. And this kid did something to get punished. And remember, the phone rings, and he says it's a click call from... Uh, oh no, it's a, it's a phone call from God. He wants to know why there's no girls at the school, mm, yeah, yeah. that part. So this is after he gets in trouble and Robin Williams, who's the teacher, comes in to speak with this young man. Is it Josh Charles? Who does that? Uh, it's Charlie. His name is Charlie. Charlie, in the movie. yeah, got it. Mr. Keating. Mr. Tolbin. It was a pretty lame stunt you pulled today. You're siding with Mr. Nolan? What about carpe diem and sucking all the marrow out of life? Sucking the marrow out of life doesn't mean choking on the bone. See, there's a time for daring and there's a time for caution. And a wise man understands which is called for. But I thought you'd like that. No. You being expelled from school is not daring to me. It's stupid. Because you'll miss some golden opportunities. Yeah, like what? Like, if nothing else, the opportunity to attend my classes. All right, so there you go. Oh, my God, that's perfect. Right? It's perfect. Everything is a balance, everybody. There's no black and white right. in anything. I feel whenever you and I are talking to groups, I feel like like that's our most uh, consistent theme is, you know, when do I, you know, model something for my child? When do I help them understand something? When do I have to set up a strict boundary for them? Yes, yes, and yes. Yes. And it's the most pressing question. It's probably the email I get the most is, wait, you said this on the show, but you said this before. And I always want to be like, yes, the paradox. And here's what I trust you guys. You don't need another person, if it be your partner, your best friend, Todd and I, your mom, to tell you how to take steps in your life. You know, I believe, I don't just believe, I, I it's beyond belief. It's like a, a deep knowing. We all are given that sense of we have a guide inside of us. We know what's right. The problem is, is our brain sometimes and the knowledge and the information from other people overpower that's that intuition or what, you know, I've been, I think Oprah's been saying this a lot lately, your spiritual GPS, you know mm -hmm. what the next right step is, but you question it. Yeah. And so I don't feel as if anybody needs a person telling them what to do. That's outside of them. People serve as our reminders, like anything that Todd and I say that you go, oh my gosh, that's it. Sorry, you guys, we didn't come up with it. It wasn't like we came up with that knowledge. We reminded you of something you already knew. So that's what this show is, is one big reminder, mm. you know, um, while we remind ourselves sure. constantly. And so that's the thing is there is no black and white. I mean, what, you know, what he just said, what Robin Williams just said, it like, you know, it like was a warm thing that went through my body, like, because that's it. Like, of course, daring is great, but maybe not in this situation. Yeah. Of course, being silly and, and, you know, taking a risk is great, but not in this situation. Mm -hmm. And so that's what we have to practice. And what we have to understand is our children, let's take this to parenting, their boundaries are really wide on these things. They don't know this kid, Charlie, he's saying, I thought you would like this. Yeah. And what our job as parents is not to say, oh my gosh, how could you? Who are you? I don't know who you are. It's to say, this is your experience of practicing when this is appropriate and when it isn't. It's called being Alive. 18 years old exactly. or 16 years old. Before we move on to the second one, um, there's a part uh, where um, Frank 
talks about when he was in Portland, Oregon, mm -hmm. and he was looking at the dogwood trees yes. and the rhododendrons were exploding, he said. Yes. And it, and I don't know, I, for some reason I connected with this on a deeper level. He said, you know, why? And he was just in awe of the beauty of these flowers. And he's like, "Is are these any more pretty than plastic flowers? Because you can make plastic flowers- That look like real. That look mm -hmm. like they are exploding, but you wouldn't connect with it in the same way you would a real flower. And why is that? And what he said is, it's because by its very nature, it's temporary. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not going to last. We were just talking about the leaves on a tree. It's We're recording this in November in Chicago. So the leaves are in the midst of changing colors. And and my daughter Skylar and I, when I take her to school, we do this kind of practice of looking at all the gorgeous trees because, dude, last week they were gorgeous, like red, purple, and then the sun in the morning shines on them in a certain way that they look really majestic. And so, you know, Skylar and I have this thing of going, look at that tree, look at this tree. Well, now this morning when I took her to school, guess what? The leaves aren't there. Yeah. The reason last week was majestic is because it's temporary. If you if they were going to be like that the whole time, they wouldn't be nearly as majestic. Exactly. Exactly. And that, you know, I used to say, you know, last week, for those of you guys who listened last week, we talked about, um, you know... Uh, there was a clip that Todd played from the breakup when Jennifer Aniston was saying, maybe you could bring me flowers. And Vince Vaughn was saying, you know, you said you didn't like flowers. You said that was a waste of money. And it was a totally different topic that we were talking about. But just to discuss flowers and why women like them or don't. Some women will say, don't bother buying me flowers because they just die. Mm -hmm. Don't bother buying me something that is going to die anyway. And I kind of feel like the whole point of flowers and the reason they're beautiful is because they're going to die. Of course. Is that our our unwillingness to be in the presence of that yeah. or to honor the fact that we're going to enjoy something beautiful and it's only temporary. Um, I'm not saying to everybody, now you have to like flowers for this reason, but I'm giving you a different viewpoint. Like, isn't it okay that mm -hmm. they're going to die? Yeah. Was the beauty a waste of time? Was it... Do we look at that and say, well, uh, what a waste of time. I only had a day with it. But you had a day with it. Well, what's so funny about that is when you were saying those words just now, I was looking at it through the through the lens of our loved ones that have since passed away. Yes. Oh, they're not here anymore. Was that a waste of time? No. God, You know no. what I mean? Well, and I, you know, to take it really deep, I, I, I've had a few miscarriages and the way mm. that I kind of reconciled all that in myself and you don't ever truly reconcile it but a way that I found peace was I still think those children came in mm -hmm. and they they were here for a small amount of time and and I honored it in my own way and you know people have their own path with that but I don't think to myself you know this was a problem or, you know, it shouldn't have been this way or, you know, it was that way. And and it was a shorter version of um, the experience, a much shorter version. But was it, was it not real? Did it not mean anything? It meant something to me. And, you know, these are the experiences that it's a widening, again, a widening of our experience with life and death is we get very black and white about this is either good or bad, this is either right or wrong. And and what if it's all of the above? Yeah. Like, And what if, um, you know, one of the quotes that I've been saying a lot lately, uh, Todd always talks about how Tony Robbins says that um, something that causes us to suffer or what makes people unhappy is when they have a certain blueprint of life and it doesn't go that way, then they'll feel as if they're suffering because the blueprint in their mind 
it's not being fulfilled. Mm -hmm. And the quote I've been saying lately to myself and to people I've been talking with is, what if our blueprint included everything? What if our blueprint- Expand the blueprint. Expand it and don't decide how it's going to be, just accept that it's part of the blueprint. So then we're not saying, wait, it didn't go this way. I didn't get this or- it's a. It doesn't mean we don't have goals or wishes or hopes. We can keep those intact. But then, when something happens that we didn't expect, make room for it. That leads exactly to the second invitation. Oh, good, good. The second invitation is welcome oh, everything perfect. and push away nothing. Yes. Uh, it's not about agreeing with everything that comes your way. It's about the willingness to meet it. Not everything that is faced can be changed, but nothing can be changed until it's faced. It's not that you have to like everything that comes, but if you don't have the willingness to meet it, you can't change it. So here's what what we discuss all the time as far as what it means to accept and surrender. Some people perceive acceptance and surrender as a giving up. Like, well, if I accept that or if I surrender to that, then I am somehow weak or I'm not uh, I'm not, you know, standing up for what I believe. You guys, there are some things that just are. I, I, there are people that write to me and the thing I write back to them is there's such an isness about your experience right now. I have zero advice except accept what's going on. You know, the, the women who write to me and say, I have a, I'm pregnant. I have a one-year-old, I have a three-year-old and I'm overwhelmed. How do I not be overwhelmed? Mm-hmm. Hey. <laughs> well, and I'd be willing to bet, like think of three thought leaders, Jesus, Martin Luther King and Gandhi. Okay. I'll bet you all three of these guys did surrender to it. Of course. And that's what propelled them to take action. Well, you can't take action until you surrender to it or else it's almost like you're punching the sky. You don't even know what you're taking action on. It's like you're fighting something you haven't even accepted yet. Like he, um, in this, in this article, it wasn't in the book, but in this article, Frank says that someone says to him, so are you saying you accept our current leadership? And he's talking about our political climate right now. So you're saying you accept that. And he said, you know what? I've got to allow it in. I have to meet it where it is if I'm going to do anything about it. If you're going to push it away and say, this shouldn't be, it shouldn't be this way, this is not okay, how do you take action on it? And this is, okay, you guys, why this book is so meaningful to me is because, again, remember where Frank works, the Zen Hospice Project, okay? For those of you who guys, you know, you know our show is called Zen Parenting Radio. Zen is that self-understanding and the living in the paradox. It's the understanding that many things are true at the same time and many things are false and that there is no absolute. And you that's the thing of if you want something to change, you have to allow it and meet it where it is. And that's Zen wisdom is that idea of it's a brain puzzle. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, how do I wrap my head around this? And you never do fully, but it keeps you alive. It keeps you alert. It helps you see things in its truest form. So his direct quote is, if we want to stand up against injustice, we have to be willing to meet it. We have to welcome it into the room. You have to welcome it. You have to say, and here's the thing. If, let me give you an example of, um, like when my dad was sick, I didn't want my dad to be sick and I didn't want my dad to be suffering in the way he was. Of course, we all know this, right? And those of you, you know, as parents, you don't want to see your children suffer, your partner suffer, you don't want to suffer. But until you accept that that's happening 
it's very difficult to be helpful and supportive because if you are pushing it away or you are trying to pretend it's not happening, then you're not present and you cannot be the person that these people need. Because I was the way that I could help my dad is I could show up with the acceptance of where he was, even if he didn't always acknowledge where he was. Mm-hmm. And be a gentle presence in the midst of his pain. If I came in and I was like, it shouldn't be this way. We need to get rid of this pain. And, and you know, dad, what can I do to help you? And how can I make – then I would have shown up in this frenzied, mm. this is an okay state. And yep. then he couldn't have rested comfortably in where sure. he was. And so take that – you know, so this the reason, again, that I love this book and anything about um, – the acceptance of death is the amount of death Todd and I have had to deal with in our lives and what it's taught us. Um, And I mean this with beauty. Mm -hmm. I don't mean like, oh, we've been so overwhelmed. I mean, like, I've learned so much from my own suffering and other people's suffering, and I'm a better person because of it. Well, and it's hard. This is a hard uh, subject to be able to convey because it doesn't mean be happy that your dad is dying. Of course not. Well, Um, of course not. But there is an acceptance. And we had a conversation yesterday because you and I had two very different experiences in the way that my mom passed away right? and the way that your dad passed away and one of our dear friends. So the way my mom passed away, we thought she was fine. Uh, she went in the hospital, and a week later, she died. Right. Um, your dad was sick for 17 years. Mm-hmm. And then one of our dear friends uh, lost his mom all of a sudden, like, boom. Like, like got a phone call. Your mom phone is call no longer mom. here. Mm-hmm. Right. And there is um, such a different experience. And, and like, we were trying to even, like, play the the game of like who had it best or who had it what worst. What was harder? What was easier? And yeah. there is no best Mm-mm. or worst. Mm-mm. Um, there's, there's beauty and, and utter grief in each way Correct. that it happened. Correct. And that you can't, you know, one of, um, one of Frank's, uh, quotes in the book is, you know, when people say, well, I hope it's a good death or yeah. I have a good death or I hope my parents have a good death. All death is messy. There is no, I mean, I understand what people are trying to say with good right. death. I don't want them to suffer. I don't want, I don't want, I get that. Yeah. I, I understand. But let's just accept that it's all messy, that it's messy if you get a phone call. It's messy if your parent goes into the hospital and never comes out. And it's messy if your parent is uh, dying for 17 years. Yeah. These are, none of these scenarios are clean and none of life is is easy and clean, but it's not, you know, there is acceptance of it rather than a pushing away or saying it should have been otherwise. You know why it shouldn't have been otherwise? Because it wasn't. Mm -hmm. And so again, the second invitation is welcome everything, push away nothing, because suffering comes from not accepting what is. If you do not accept what is, you can't do anything about the isness. You just live in your head of how you thought it should be and how you think it should be. Now, let's take this to parenting. Your child comes home and says, I no longer, I'm, you know, taking this from something extreme like our parents being sick to, you know, I no longer want to dance. I'm done with lacrosse. I'm done with singing. I'm ready to, to take a break or try something new. Or I'm being bullied. And we jump into none of this should be this way. This is not my blueprint. 
I foresaw something different for you. I felt content in the knowledge that you would sing in through high school or that you would play lacrosse through junior high or that, you know, I created a story and a blueprint around this and you're messing it up. Yeah. What if instead you welcomed it and you said, wow, that's a big decision. Tell me how you got there. And you didn't even involve yourself in it. And they told you, this is where I am. And you said, just let me know how I can support you. You've just decreased, maybe eliminated your suffering. You've just set your child free and you just open the door for them to continue to understand themselves and to practice that self-awareness of this is what's best for me mm-hmm. today. Yeah. They are creating space then. Like I want one other story I want to share that's I hope it's similar enough is I was listening to uh, Rob Bell the other day and he was talking about a woman that he was talking to her who had emailed him who she lived in California and her daughter went to a really kind of prestigious high school and they lived in a really prestigious neighborhood. And and the mom was saying, well, my daughter, she's a junior. She's having a really tough time. She's got an eating disorder. She's cutting herself. But, you know, this is just the way the school is. And she's just going to have to get through and grit her teeth and get through. And Rob was like, no, she doesn't. She is screaming to you. I'm not okay. Mm -hmm. And you're saying you have to keep doing that because this is the prestigious school. And for those of you who were at the conference last year and heard Rob speak, he talked a lot about get out of the mold of what it has to look this way. His son has been to three different schools in California and then ended up um, getting involved in a band, still fulfilling his education, doing it online. And, you know, his children... And, it, he's, and he was just on the podcast with Rob. Did you hear that one? No, I haven't oh, heard it. Oh, he's a very well-spoken, uh, activist, uh, thoughtful young man. He's probably 17 or something. Oh, my gosh. that's That leads perfectly to this. Yeah. I, love, I love this show. Everything's yeah. like, you know, connecting. And he was saying, if your child is cutting... And again, this is not, again, take, I'm not saying it's your fault, parents. I'm saying they're screaming, something in my world is not working. Mm -hmm. This school, these people, this experience. So what about something different? And I don't even know what that is for you. Like, I don't have the answer. You know, if you were like, well, then what do I do? You got to, but don't pretend it's not happening. Right. You've got to welcome all of this in and say, my child is is not eating. My child is cutting. I have to surrender to this so then I can do something. But if I pretend it's not happening and say it shouldn't be this way, or why can the rest of the kids be at this school and not my kid, it's not about you. No. Okay. Um, So I want to play a clip from Star Wars in a second. Okay. Um, If you're okay with talking about a little bit about, we were talking about your dad a little bit. Sure. Okay. Uh, But first we have one partner this week. It's Canvas People. They've been our partner for a long time. Uh, What is Canvas People? It's an easy-to-use photo-to-canvas service that takes your favorite photo memories and turns them into beautiful artwork for you to enjoy every day. Instead of snapping that beautiful photo and letting it rot on your cell phone, bring that photo to life and put it on the walls of your home, office, or give it as a gift. Uh, The um, deal that they gave for our Zen Parenting listeners is if you order the 11 by 14 canvas, which is normally priced at $69.99, you can get it instead of $69.99 for free. All you got to do is put the coupon code in Zen, Z-E-N. You just pay the shipping. So thanks to our friends over at canvaspeople.com. It's uh, getting ready for the holiday, so it's a wonderful way to check some things off of your to-do list regarding your holiday gift giving. So that's the deal. Um, So we had a good long conversation yesterday in the car on the way to your mom's house um, 
about your dad and how you still kind of have this relationship with your dad, even though he left us um, a few months ago. And I brought up an Obi-Wan Kenobi clip from Star Wars. Okay. And it's only about eight, ten seconds, but I just wonder if you can kind of talk about it after I play it. So okay. here, here we go. Your power's a weak old man. You can't win, Darth. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. So there they go on fighting with their lightsabers. But what is that? How does that relate to your experience? Well, I, w- I don't know if I'll be able to. I was kind of in a zone yesterday in the car, but I was trying to explain to Todd that um, I've had this weird experience, great experience. It's not even weird. It's an awesome experience where, you know, I've my dad is around me more than ever. And that I, when I see him in my mind's eye or when I'm talking to him, he's about my age. So he's the age I was when I was a kid. And he's so healthy. And he, my dad worked really hard when I was in middle school and high school and all that kind of thing. And, and my dad was really, uh, um, you know, before he had a stroke and everything, he was really, he, he just was a really like talkative. He everybody loved him, and and everybody still did all, all his whole life. But he just was one of those people, real gregarious. You know, he's just really, and he was so healthy and um, just in the prime of his life. And so when I see him and when I'm talking to him, that's how he always looks. And why I said to Todd is so interesting for me is because for almost 20 years, for 17 years, he was not well. So I got very used to taking care of my dad and and created a very different relationship with him in the last part of his life where I was more of someone who, I mean, my mom was his caregiver, caregiver, but I was an emotional caregiver. And I, when I was with him, I took care of him. And, um, so you would think that's what you would remember. right? Right. But it's crazy that when I see him, I only see him as well. And it's not a mental thing. It's not me blocking because I can look at pictures of my dad when he was not well and I'm very at peace with it. That was my experience with my dad for so long that I am in no way – talk about allowing everything in. I took every suffering of my dad in. I accepted it very much. Um, But it was like a – it's like he's bigger than ever. It's like he's healthier than ever now. And he wasn't when he was sick. So he wouldn't be able to help you. Right. Within the containment of his body. And we're getting a little off the deep end and yeah. I'm completely okay with that. This is, this, these are our conversations. But, yeah. but these were, you know, when he was really sick, he wasn't gregarious. He wasn't his 45 year old gregarious self. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it took death mm-hmm. to allow him to be in your life in a different way. Yes. Yes. And he's so... And so, and I, I, it's beyond the thinking mind because when I say, I see him in, uh, in this in-between dream stage a lot and I don't, he doesn't, it's like glimpses of him. It's not like he comes and literally sits down and talks to me. I don't have that kind of thing. It's glimpses. I, I feel, um, things. It's hard to explain, but I, hard to put into words, hard to put into words for sure. Uh, and he's fine. He's he's so more than fine. I have a few quotes in my meditation area. There's two things, and these are very intimate, but I'm going to share them anyway. Um, one is that the all the time. He always says, I'm here all the time. It's all the time. He used mm-hmm. to always say 100%. Mm-hmm. Everything's on. He said that all the time, even when he was sick. And so he's here all the time. And then the other thing is whenever I'm like, should I do this? Can I do this? He'll always say, yeah, because you can. Mm. Because you're here. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit about the don't wait. Yeah. Um, and it, these are things that are just mine and you don't need to understand what those things mean for me. But uh, but that's the thing about death is there – to me, there is no end. You know, like these people uh, – two nights ago, 
Cameron came in our room and she said, mom, uh, I can smell Gigi's perfume everywhere. That's Todd's mom. And I said, well, she's here then. You know, she's just coming to see you. And she's like, okay. She's like, can I be with you guys? Because it's really, it's intense, mm-hmm. you know? And she's not afraid of her, but she wanted to be with her with us. Yeah. You know, sometimes for kids. Um, they're an open it, They're channel. such an open channel that they're, she, she wanted to be with Gigi and like enjoy that smell, but be feel in the safety of her parents. Um, And, you know, I have those experiences all the time. Well, and, you know, I I just, I'm starting to understand a little bit more deeper when you talking, talking about expanding the blueprint about parenting, but even about this, expand the blueprint of what you think uh, death really is. And I guess that's our invitation or one of our invitations for today's podcast is, you know, as somebody who has a very logical brain, uh, I'd be like, well, you know, my mom stopped breathing, so she's gone, mm-hmm. or your dad stopped, and maybe expand that a little bit. You don't have to go expand it, you know, to the limits where Kathy's talking about, but just get curious about what might be possible. Yeah, and take it, and here's the thing, your experience does not have to be mine. Please don't say, well, I lost someone I loved and I don't have those experiences. You don't have to have my experiences. You have your own experiences. Whenever anyone says, it has to look this way. Or sometimes I, I get annoyed by like dream books, like, mm-hmm. oh, if you dreamed about a snake, it means this. Yeah. It could mean something totally different to you. So talk about expanding your blueprint even beyond what Todd just said. You don't have to say, well, I didn't have that experience, Kathy, therefore he or she or is not with me. No, no, no. You know in your gut when that person's with you. When you hear a song on the radio, when you see a butterfly, when you um, are walking and you hear the leaves, you know, you have your own personal experience and, and we honor each other's instead of telling everybody else how it should be. And I find great peace in that. And sometimes I share things with Todd that are really powerful and sometimes I don't share it with anybody. It's just mine. Um, and so anyway, that's, uh, you know, that's, are we only on number two? We're only on number two and we got about 15, 20 minutes. So let's go to number three. Uh, what is number three? Bring your whole self to the experience. I love these last three so much. I love them all. Okay. So bring your whole self to the experience is more of like, um, uh, it's like an intimacy with yourself and with everyday life. Okay. So what it means is bring every aspect of yourself, every feeling, your suffering, your beauty, your challenges, your, your wisdom, and bring that to every experience. So like, let's take it to parenting. When you are parenting, don't be a role. Don't be a cookie cutter cut out of what you think a mom or a dad should be and say, I'm not going to bring in my mistakes. I'm not going to bring in my humor. I'm not going to bring in my silliness. I am just going to be this really cookie cutter mom or dad. Um, you're not bringing your whole self to your experience. You're you're bringing a very limited perception of what you think on paper a parent should be. If you bring your whole intimate self, the weaknesses and the strengths, your children will respond to you. Mm-hmm. They will hear you. They will understand you. They will connect with you. Part of the reason our children push us away at certain times, is, especially in the teenage years, is they start to recognize our inauthenticity. They start to see that their brain is developed enough and they've been with us enough. They start to recognize when we're putting on a facade. They start to hear us lie to people. They start to see us show up and pretend to be okay when we're not. They see us say not say things they know we should, and it annoys the hell out of them. Yeah. And I'm saying that 
that from personal experience and I'm saying that from just watching other people do it. And so then we'll be like, why is my, you know, I was at the grocery store and I ran into a friend and we had a conversation. And then after that, my child was so annoyed at me. And a lot of times it's because they're watching you. Because they know you're full of crap. They're watching you have a conversation with someone (laughs) where you're so inauthentic and not real and it bugs them. Mm -hmm. They're like, because what you're demonstrating to them is how you have to be different with different people. And it doesn't mean, and again, for those of you who will be black and white with us, it doesn't mean that you're going to be like with everybody the way you are with your spouse. You know, it's not like I go out in the world and I'm like identical with everyone the way I am with Todd, but I do my best to show up as who I am. Sometimes it's a little more, you know, toned down or more exaggerated depending on the situation, but I'm not pretending to be anything other than I am. At least I'm, well, I do sometimes and then I get sick because right. of it. Well, yeah. that's the thing because there's situations, yeah. whether it's in a professional setting where I know I'm kind of putting on this totally. really false facade. Me too. And I know I would be better at my job if I brought my most authentic self, but for some reason I can't quite break through that quite yet. Yeah. But the one thing I want to say about that, that's an energy drain. We think <sighs> like totally. we're protecting ourselves when in fact we're depleting ourselves by doing that. And this is one of the things, like I know it's not good for me, but I still struggle with um, putting that into practice. Completely. But but I can't move through it unless I at least know what I'm shooting for. I know what I'm shooting for, but... Welcome everything. Like welcome everything means there are times that Todd and I come home and we'll share with each other, I was so annoyingly inauthentic today. Like I was talking to somebody and I could not, you know, Todd will talk about work situations, but you welcome it. You don't pretend it didn't happen and push it away and shame yourself. You say you accept, you left, you welcome it into the room so then you can do something Mm. about it. You know, so, you know, this is also important with people, other people that we're working with, say somebody who is sick, say we have a friend who's sick. A lot of us, unfortunately, at this age, we've had friends who are going through chemo Mm. or we have friends that have been given a diagnosis or something and allow them to be all of who they are. Allow them to say, I'm in pain and don't tell them why they're going to be okay. Yep. Allow them to be sad. Why do people tell them that they're going to be okay? Because the person hearing it is uncomfortable. Correct. We do that with our kids. Yep. We tell our kids, as soon as they say something like, I'm afraid, or I'm worried about this, we'll tell- We get afraid. We get afraid. We get worried about it. And to make them, make ourselves feel better, we say something that is not helpful. Correct. And for those of you who are like, but what, you know, I appreciate hearing words of, because I'm a words person, that's my love language, and I do love encouragement. Mm -hmm. But before I hear encouragement, I have to welcome in my fear. Yep. And then I have to, when someone acknowledges that I'm afraid and it's okay to be afraid, then there's an open space to hear something that maybe I can ground myself on. Yep. You know, but if we pretend or feel bad about the fact that we're afraid or that we shouldn't be afraid, it's too much. We're not allowing our whole self to the experience. I can simultaneously, simultaneously be super courageous and really afraid. Actually, there's no way to be create courageous without Without being being afraid. afraid. Right. Um, You know, sometimes people will say, you know. I'll say I'm afraid about something. They'll give me a big speech about why you have to do it anyway and, you know, go out there. And I'm like, oh, I was already going to do that. (laughs) Like, I I just am telling you I'm afraid, but I'm still going to do those things. Um, Do you want to go to number four? Yeah. Okay. 
this one helped me this morning a ton, or actually last night. Find a place of rest in the middle of things. Okay. You guys. Sounds like a very sweetie. I know. You're never done. You know, those of you who love your lists, Todd loves his lists. I do love lists. He like has ABCs and numbers next to things that need to be done. You're never done and you never will be done while you're alive and nor should you be done because when you're done, you're dead. So you don't want to be done. But sometimes, like last night I had a headache. It was a long day, long weekend. Um, And like Tad said, we had to get ready for today. We had to clean up. I had to make smoothies. I had to help the girls. And at one point I, I set things down and I said, you know what? I'm still in the middle of things. I'm not done, but I need to go to bed. I, I, and I have to rest in the middle of this. Like I've got to set it all down, trust that it'll be here tomorrow and know I did my best for today and, and allow myself to rest instead of, I only deserve to rest unless it, once all this is done Yeah, because living like that is, is creating a suffering Yeah, and also creating a, uh, saying I'm not good enough because I didn't complete um, and um, I don't know if I'm real good at explaining this, but we all have, you know, it's an egoic thought. I'm not enough. And just by definition of our existence, we're enough. We, we showed up. We wouldn't be here if we weren't enough. Right. Our our mere presence, our, the fact that, you know, this miracle happened that out of all the different people that would get together or you talk about conception, like... Birth is a miracle. That's right. And we showed up right. as ourselves. Right. And then our brain gets in the way yeah. and our ego gets in the way and self-doubt gets in the way. Yeah. And all of a sudden we think that we're only deserving of a chocolate sundae unless we, you know, work out for four and a Burn half hours. Burn 500 calories. Right. And, you know, there's a balance to everything, but just the fact that we're here, that's... For no other reason, that's we're enough. Right. We we really do have, and I know I've found this in myself and Todd and all the people that I work with, you know, as a therapist, there is this belief that we have to suffer enough to earn something. Yeah. And while there's some truth to that in life, and we have to welcome that in, that we do have to experience suffering, suffering does not always need to come before a joy. Yeah. That's, we can learn from joy too. And I find joy in really simple things. And that to me makes my life a lot more meaningful. The more simple, the deeper the experience. I find joy in being able to breathe without effort. Right. I find joy in drinking a glass of water. Yeah. I find, I, I totally got blown away by watching some tree, some leaves fall off a tree last week. It's crazy. Because, you know, the, the tree is there in the spring. There's no leaves on it. Leaves show up magically. Right. And then they provide shade for the summer. Right. And, you know, photosynthesis and blah, blah, blah. They keep us alive. And then October, November happens and it just magically falls off the tree. Yeah. And you say, well, that's the wind. Well, who, you know, how did the wind get here? Like, and then that leaf will fall into the ground to protect the ground and help the grass grow. Yep. It's just nuts. And protect it from the snow. And that happens all the time, all over the world. And we're like, I got to rake these leaves. And we're like, it's cold out. Yes. 
<laughs> so crazy. We're like, we're so bitchy and moany. I know. And, and so am I. Like I, the thing is, is welcome it in and recognize it and laugh at yourself and be like, man, I'm missing it. See, the thing is, is those pieces of ourselves that we don't love, the part that is bitchy and moany, they remind us to wake up. Yeah. They're not something we need to completely do away with and say, oh my gosh, I can't believe I would not notice the trees. Not noticing the trees reminds you to notice the trees. Right. This is the Zen paradox. This is the, you can't have one without the other. The day that you're suffering reminds you to be present for the things that are beautiful. Mm -hmm. The things that are beautiful, the reason it's beautiful is because you realize it won't always last and that there will be suffering. It's all interchangeable and you have to accept them all. You don't, and the acceptance of all of them is not a mental trick. It's not a game of, oh my gosh, I have to sit here and accept it. Let go. Yeah. Let go. Put it down. Set it down. Like, Every day in the shower, I will find myself processing something because I have a brain and I'm a human like all of you. And usually by the time I turn off the water, I say, okay, I'm going to let that go. Nothing solved because there's nothing to solve. And I'm just done with it. I'm tired of thinking about it. And someone will say, but you didn't solve it. There was nothing to solve in the first place. Yeah. My brain is just processing a bunch of information and it's not, um, you know, just be rest in the middle of it. And the last thing I want to say about this is my my nephew right now is um he's playing football and he is almost to he's going into the semifinals next weekend and it's just been a really big deal for their town and for him and for us as his as people who love him. And a lot of people around him including us have been saying enjoy this, enjoy this. You'll it'll never be this way again. This is a moment in time. These are the you know, these are glory days. La la la. la. And he and his friends, you know, my sister has said, it's a little overwhelming to them when people say that, like, enjoy it, enjoy it, take it in. Or for those of you who have new babies and young kids, when people say, enjoy it, enjoy it, enjoy it, it's too much pressure mm -hmm. that you're too spiritually stretched where you're like, okay, so every second of the day I have to enjoy, like, how do I do that? You just set it down. Mm -hmm. You just enjoy it without the mental pressure of thinking you need to enjoy it. Yeah. Just take it in and... You you don't need to be spiritually stressed, stressed all the time. Find a place and rest in the middle of it. Mm -hmm. Say, I'm going to go to sleep with a smile on my face. We won that game. I remember this. And that's it. There's nothing else to do. And you know, for those of you with young kids, I'm so blessed that I get to sleep right now. My kids are asleep. I it's One of my favorite parts of the day is when all my kids are asleep. And it's not because I am tired of being with them necessarily. It's because it's such a beautiful moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, we're running out of time. Last one. Did we do number four? We did four, but we got to do five. What's five? Okay. Something we talk about on the show all the time, so we don't have to get real deep about it. Cultivate a don't know mind. Develop your mind that is full of curiosity, wonder, readiness, openness. Quit thinking you know it all. Quit being a full cup that has no room for anyone else's opinion. Um... Let go of the the idea that because you read a book, you have all the final answers. Um, let go of the idea that because you've parented three kids, you know how to parent everybody else's kids. Um, let go of the idea that you know how your children should live their life. Let go of the idea that you know what's going to happen tomorrow because you don't. If you keep a mind that's open and curious, every day can be beautiful. Sweetie, your words are just like his. Are they good? What Says, does he say? Uh, so... It's not an encouragement to be ignorant. It means to develop a mind that's full of curiosity, wonder, and readiness. Oh, I took those three words from him. So don't know mind is a completely different arena from knowing and not knowing. It's about not imposing our knowledge on a situation we're in. It's about willingness to discover, be curious, and be surprised. 
be surprised. And then when something comes and it's not what you expect, welcome it in every welcome it in and don't push it away and then figure out the next step. And you know, the majority of our suffering is our belief systems about whether or not it should be happening. Right. And the cultivating the don't know mind doesn't mean that we don't act on things and it doesn't mean that we don't have an opinion. It means that we share our opinion and then we allow other people to have another opinion and we keep our minds open to what they're saying and who they are. Speaking of opinions, on Monday, we're doing our civil and compassionate communication. Correct. And it's a one-hour virtual class that you already mentioned, 20 bucks. Um, unless you're a team Zen person, then it's free. Uh, you don't have to be there live, ask questions, uh, but we're going to have a good conversation to kind of get you ready for Thanksgiving and Christmas. Um, we're going to talk about, you know, the brother-in-law that lives on the other side of the aisle that drives you nuts and how are you going to be able to meet this person um, in a civil and compassionate way, help you understand when to walk away and when to stand up. And also just understanding that this is, this is, you don't need to push it away. Mm -hmm. You don't need to say, my family needs to be easier. This needs to be easier. They need to think like I do. Keep a curious mind. Go into the holidays with a sense of wonder, with a sense of how am I going to manage this? Because am I going to do it the same way I've always done it? Or am I going to try something else? Am I going to expect everybody else to change? Or could I maybe change the dynamic? I'm going to give, and I stole this from one of the TED Talk people, six practical skills to get you through tough conversations. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, that's the deal. So if any of this stuff is interesting to you, go to zenparentingradio.com, click on events, and it'll be there. It's in the upper right-hand corner. It says Get Zen or something like yeah. that. Um, I do want to share one good newspaper story. Sure. Um, it's from our friend Brandon, who has a good newspaper. And this is just the headline. I just want to read the headline. Since Mali formed, Mali is a country, I think, in Africa, uh-huh. formed an armed brigade to protect its endangered desert elephants nine months ago, not a single elephant has been lost to poachers. That's all we got to do. That's in the newspaper. It just depends on what newspaper you're looking when at. When we stand up for the elephants and we say no... This is not going to happen anymore. We are going to protect them and love them. The elephants survive. Um, We have partners for our conference. um, And one of our partners I want to highlight today is a law firm, actually, Trinity Family Law. And what they do, they're a divorce law firm, and they're dedicated to helping people resolve legal issues in a non-adversarial way. Uh, Their divorce clients hire them to resolve their issues using collaborative process. Um, so that's kind of what they do. And if you're interested, go to trinityfamilylaw.com. Like conscious uncoupling. And yes. I know that became kind of buzzy with the Paltrow, you know, going with Paltrow. But really, that's what they're trying to do is right. how do we mediate this situation in the most conscious way? Yep. Um, and then we do have an iTunes review. We have no Zen friends this week. Okay. Um, or no, not Zen friends. What are they called? Zen friends. Oh, Zen friends. For the conference. I get Team Zen and Zen friends mixed yeah. up. Uh, but we do have an iTunes review. And it's from Fizzy13 from the USA. She says, we're grounding. And then she writes a nice, uh, she writes a nice paragraph. So thank you for that iTunes Thanks, review. Um, and then I just uh, Googled, um, I think it's interesting. You know, we talked about death during this podcast. And uh, I like to think in terms of science sometimes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And this is from a website. And I just Googled the physics of death. And I just want to read this paragraph. Uh, because what, one thing that I think is so fascinating about death is one thing I remember from science class from seventh grade is no energy can either be created or destroyed. Correct. It only be it only transmits or transfers from one state to another. Mm-hmm. And so it says, in death, the collection of atoms which you are composed 
um, a universe within a universe, are repurposed. Those atoms and that energy which originated during the Big Bang will always be around. Therefore, your light, that is the essence of your energy, not to be confused with your actual consciousness, will continue to echo throughout space until the end of time. I feel it. Right. And it and whatever way you know it or feel it is the case. Yes. Like it, it's there is not one way to experience it or see it. Um, and you don't have to convince other people. Um, I'm lucky enough to have a partner who just listens to me without necessarily having the full understanding of the things I'm talking about. But all I feel is love. You know, it's not about it's not the human elements. It's not I'm still caught up in this or that. It's just the greatest parts um, it's actually the non-human elements. Yep. It's that that essence that we come from. So let me just say these five invitations. Again, the five invitations, Discovering What Death Can Teach Us, is the book. Um, the five are Don't Wait, Welcome Everything, Push nothing, push Away Nothing, Bring Your Whole Self to the Experience, Find a Place of Rest in the Middle of Things, and Cultivate a Don't Know Mind. Have a sense of humility about the mystery, you guys. We don't have this all figured out. I sure don't, and I don't want to. Um, that Just that alone keeps me at peace. Wonderful. And thank you to Frank for writing this book. Yes. What a lovely man you are. Thank you, you Frank. Yes. And um, one last shameless self-promotion. I coach guys. Guys, if you're out there and you want to increase your relationships, your work, your vocation, um, first session's free. Go to toddadamscoaching.com. Hey, and don't forget to check out our two other amazing partners, Jeremy Kraft. He's a bald-headed beauty, and he has a company called Avid Company, and they do painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area, 630-956-1800, and you can check them out at avidco.net. Don't forget to check out uh, Tree of Life Chiropractic Care. Dr. Kelly, she adjusts us twice a month, and she's located in Elmhurst, our beloved town, and uh, people come from all over the Chicagoland area to check her out. So you can learn more by going to chirotree.com, or you can give them a call at 630-941-8733. Healthy families by choice, not by chance. All right. Have a good week, everybody. And join us for our civility class. It's just an hour. If you can't be there live, we'll send you the email, or you know, I'll email you the um the recording yeah. so you can watch it on your own time and watch it more than once and listen to it and if you come live you can ask questions so you know we'll we'll speak to your experience that's right all right keep trucking everybody have a good week hi everyone thanks for listening we appreciate you and we hope you'll join us next time if you're a fan of zen parenting radio consider leaving us a review on itunes this helps people find us you can also tell a friend about our show are you a force for good yes if so, then get your tickets for the Zen Parenting Conference, March 2nd and 3rd, 2018, with Cheryl Strayed and Mike Domish. When purchasing your tickets, consider becoming a Zen friend for our conference scholarship program. Let's make sure anyone who wants to attend can be there. Come see us. We look forward to having everyone in Chicago. Check out all of our live events at zenparentingradio.com. You can also find our virtual community of listeners that we call Team Zen. You can find books and podcasts that we recommend and so many other opportunities and resources. Go to zenparentingradio.com. If you want to know more about self-awareness or conscious parenting, pick up one of Kathy's awesome award-winning books at zenparentingradio.com or on Amazon. Thank you. You're welcome. And just so you know, I coach guys. It's called 
coaching for guys <laughs> on the phone, Skype, or in person. Contact me to uncover the subtle shifts that will change your life. If you're looking for a group of men to have authentic conversations with, check out the tribemensgroup.com. We would love to have you be a part of the tribe. If you ever shop via Amazon, you can help us out by first going through the Amazon link found on our homepage, zenparentingradio.com, under support us. It doesn't cost anything to you, but we get a small commission from Amazon. I want to give a special thanks to our partners, Tree of Life Chiropractic Care and Avid Painting and Remodeling. They've been with us since the start, and we love them. And to all of you, thanks, thanks for, your, for love your love and, and support. support. Keep trucking. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>